everyone, it's Krista Bontrager and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go. Well, you've made it to week 15. We're continuing to work our way through the historical books of the Old Testament. This week, we will be finishing up the book of 2 Samuel and getting a good start in the book of 1 Kings. Basically, this will help us finish out the reign of King David and begin the reign of King Solomon. And in the big picture here, the reigns of David and Solomon are like the apex of Israel. It's it's the golden age, if you will. And after we get done with Solomon, you know, get ready because it's going to be sort of all downhill from there for Israel. It's going to get ugly and then it's going to get uglier. So enjoy the reading this week as we go through the rest of the reign of David and Solomon, because this is the high point for the kings. Now, if you remember from last week in chapter 12, the prophet Nathan comes to rebuke David. And as part of that rebuke, he offers a number of prophecies about David and basically the punishment that God will hand out and the consequences of David's sin. One of the first prophecies that Nathan says happens in verse 10. He says, now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you have despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. And then continuing in verse 11, this is what the Lord says, out of your household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. And then continuing in verse 13, Nathan says, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt. The son born to you will die. So the immediate consequence is that David and Bathsheba's son dies. And we see that worked out later in chapter 12. But then we also see at the very end of chapter 12, kind of a foreshadowing of the events that will transpire in the next few chapters as a part of our reading this week, where calamity comes on the household of David, his children begin fighting, and these prophecies that Nathan gave to David come true. These prophecies are really the glue that hold the coming chapters together. If you don't understand these verses, the events that transpire in chapters 13 through 18 just seem like a hodgepodge of chaotic events. But if you understand them in the broader context that the, the calamity that's coming on the house of David is still part of the punishment and it's working itself out, the consequences are working themselves out through David's children. First, we see this very sad account between two of David's children, Amnon and Tamar, and the rape of Tamar. That leads to kind of a blood feud within David's family. 
between Absalom and his half-brother Amnon. Then as we continue the story through chapters 14 and 15, there's these conflicts that are happening between David and Absalom. Again, this is more of the consequences of David's sin with Bathsheba. And I think what's interesting is watching David's struggle. There's even a point where he's forced to flee from Jerusalem because of Absalom's conspiracy to try to take the throne. And even at that point, even though God has forgiven David for his sins, David's still kind of on uncertain footing with the Lord. He says in chapter 15, verse 25, then the king said to Zadok, take the ark of God back to the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it in his dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, then I am ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. And then when we get to chapter 16, we have the fulfillment of another one of Nathan's prophecies. Absalom, David's own son, sleeps with his father's concubine in the sight of all Israel. This is really another low point for David. And this continues as Absalom is trying to take the throne and David is wondering what his standing is. And then the story kind of culminates in chapter 18 where Absalom is ultimately killed and David mourns for that and eventually returns to Jerusalem. At that point in chapter 19, when David does return to Jerusalem, now the, the story arc is kind of settling. And so we're going to have now a series of chapters and stories of things returning the way that they were before David's sin. David returns to Jerusalem. He returns to his rightful throne. He wins some victories. He puts down a rebellion in chapter 20. And then in chapter 21, through the end of the book, in tw chapter 24, we have kind of a revisiting of several themes from First and Second Samuel. It's kind of like tying up loose ends. And, and there's not a lot of concern here by the author for chronology. It's more of a topical arrangement. We see here that the beginning and the end of this section, chapter 21 and 24 of the narratives, are two events in which David has to deal with God's wrath against Israel. In the first one is sparked by an act of Saul, and the second one is a judgment against Israel that's actually sparked by a sin of David. And then kind of moving in the middle there, we have the second and fifth units. We have the second part of chapter 21 and then part of chapter 23 are accounts of David's warriors. In the, the second account there in chapter 23, the warriors are painted much stronger than in the first account in chapter 21. And then right in the middle of this section are two songs of David. The first one much longer than the second, both celebrating David's victories as a warrior king is kind of hearkening here to his role as the psalmist. And and he's the author of so many of the psalms that we enjoy and we know today. But here 
right at the end of Second Samuel are a couple of other psalms that David wrote. Now, we don't really know why the author arranges this, this last kind of appendix of Second Samuel this way, but uh, if we just sort of understand the structure here, it's kind of helpful. Otherwise, this just seems like this weird hodgepodge of, and now this, and now this, and here's a song, and it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. One other thought about this section is that even though David is restored before God, we still see David as a sinner. The very end of Second Samuel ends with this story of disobedience. And I think it's an important point to make that these great men of old, these here's David, he's a man after God's own heart, and yet he's still a sinner. He's a warrior king. As great of a king as David is, he's still in need of a savior. He still sins. It's part of the overall story of the Bible, that redemptive thread of the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent, and that the seed of the woman will ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. From 2 Samuel, now we're going to move into the books of First and Second Kings. This week, we'll be looking at 1 Kings chapters 1 to 7. And basically, what we're doing here is transitioning from the reign of David to the reign of Solomon. The first section is chapters 1 to 4, and it's the establishment of Solomon's reign. David is transitioning the throne to his son. And really what we have here is the foundational events for the kind of king that Solomon would be. And then we have this chapter 3, the famous chapter where Solomon asks God for wisdom. It just becomes so foundational to what we know about Solomon and what he's famous for. And the next section in First Kings is chapters 5 through 10. We won't make it all the way through that section this week. But this is really kind of the glories of Solomon's reign. We're going to read about the wonders of his reign, specifically the construction of the temple. We're going to get a lot of details of the construction of the temple this week and also the construction of Solomon's palace and the temple furnishings. And the next week we'll get into the dedication and some other things. But this section is really focusing on the glories, the high points of Solomon's reign. As you're reading through chapters 5 and 6, you might struggle with imagining just all these words, how they're fitting together and what it means. I encourage you, if you have a study Bible or if you go on the internet, there's many good models of the temple that have been made and you can kind of follow along and, and see how all these descriptions work themselves out in Solomon's temple itself. Now, because we don't really have any solid artifacts from Solomon's temple, it's a little bit difficult to know how all of these descriptions would have looked in real life. One possible insight that we may get is from the Temple of Ayandara in Syria. Now, if you want to look that up on the internet, let me spell it for you. It's A as an Apple, I, N as in Nancy, D as in David, A-R-A. -A. 
And there's a very fine article on the biblicalarchaeology.org website. There's an article called Searching for the Temple of King Solomon. Let me just give you a brief explanation of the connection here. The temple at Ayandara in Syria was a Hittite temple, but it was built around the same time as Solomon's temple. And there are some some good remains left that have been excavated by archaeologists. In fact, if you go on the biblicalarchaeology.org website, you'll be able to see a little diagram of some of the architectural similarities between the Ayandara temple and Solomon's temple as the best reconstructions that scholars have been able to figure out. Now, we're not saying that this is exactly like what Solomon's temple looked like, but because it's a similar time period and the architectural structure itself has some similarities, some scholars have postulated that maybe this has some resemblance to the figurines that we might have seen at Solomon's temple. So if you have time and you want to look at that and you're interested in archaeology, that might be a little tidbit for something for you to look into this week. Well, we're going to put a bookmark right there in 1 Kings chapter 7. Next week, we're going to come back. We're going to finish out the reign of Solomon. And then we're going to go through the very sad situation of the division of the kingdom into north and south. And then really begin to get into the decline of the kingdoms and their fall into hardcore idolatry and other magical practices. Remember, if you get behind, don't sweat it. Just start where you are. Keep pressing on. That's the main thing. And this week's reading shouldn't be too difficult, but try not to get bogged down in the details. Remember our big picture themes of redemption and the two seeds and looking at, you know, who's cast in which role. Just try to focus on those big picture concepts and you're going to be just fine. Thanks for letting me go on this journey with you. I'm having a great time and I'm going to look forward to next week when we get to do it all again. I'll see you then. 